Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Silk Report. Oh, hi there, everybody. And welcome to date. Oh, this, this is just my book, uh, Even the Defeats. Um, make sure you go to your local bookshop or Amazon or wherever you get your books from to get that. Anyway, let's get straight to Australian Open Day 3. Nice to have you all here. And um, yeah, let's get straight to it. Uh, I think the first thing we have to talk about, Naomi Osaka. Uh, she had a good first day, or sorry, uh, round two, I should say. She came through in straight sets today. But to be honest with you, that doesn't really tell all the story. Um, winners count, unbelievable. Definitely uh, something to uh, bear in mind. And aces again. I mean, again, we're going to just touch on the court speed a bit uh, throughout this um, pod. And I think, again, that's helping her on her serve. But I do think that six love 6-4 doesn't really tell the whole story. If we look at the bottom of the screen there with the breakpoint stats, um, nine out of ten breakpoints saved, but you could obviously look at it the other way around. And, and unfortunately for her opponent, Maddie Brengel, the world number 54, um, she could only convert one of those nine. That occurred um, in the second set, and she was actually a breakup at one point. Um, and so many breakpoints lost, especially in the, the first couple of service games from Osaka. Um, and I think, it, yeah, it was some missed opportunities there from Brengel. I'm not saying that she would have gone on to win the match, but I think arguably she should have won that set and, you know, go into a third set and, and who knows. But Osaka is looking good. I think if you're a fan of hers, um, a bit like some other players that are sort of coming back from various travails, I think you've got to be happy with the fact that she's in the third round. Um there was a there was a funny moment as well. I just want to highlight at the beginning of that second set when Brengel she obviously got bageled in the first set. She loses the first game of the second set. So Osaka has now won seven games in a row, and then Brengel finally gets on her on the on the scoreboard. So she's definitely going to avoid the double bagel, and she celebrates almost as if she's won the match. And to be honest with you, from that moment onwards, she was actually I think probably that relaxed her a bit, and she began to enjoy things and. Osaka seemed to lose her rhythm a bit, sort of the beginning of that second set. And um, 
Yeah, I, I think, yeah, she did play really well, Jean. Thank you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think she does lack uh, a few weapons, as you also highlight there. And I think ultimately the weaponry from Osaka is what what basically put her through and, and her power uh, really overwhelmed um, overwhelmed Brengel. And I think power is obviously what is important to highlight here when Andy Murray tweets, anyone hit the ball cleaner from the baseline than Naomi Osaka, which, you know, I think is a really good point for Mandy. Andy, who's a huge fan of the women's game and promotes it endlessly and, and good luck to him for that. And Osaka, though, responding, anyone put their heart on their sleeve and fight harder than Andy Murray. I mean, this is lovely. We love to see this. And uh, it's a funny way to end the day. Uh, Both, of course, still in their draws. Um, Murray will be on court again tomorrow. How he'll be after his five-set marathon uh, from against Basilashvili, well, we'll wait and see. And that's probably to be discussed in tomorrow's Silk Report. So keep attention here. Osaka. Well, she should, or probably many of us thought that she would be playing Benchich in the next round. However, Benchich went out today to Anisimova. Um, Anisimova winning in straight sets. Does that qualify as a shock? Um, I'm not sure. I, I think you can look at this in, in two ways. Um, I think Benchich obviously being the number 22 seed. I actually had Benchich going out in the first round, so it just goes to show even the best can get predictions wrong. But uh, she ultimately went out today, 6-2-7-5. I think if anybody saw this match, you'll also have noticed that Benchich was struggling a bit with a, a leg injury, I think. Um, yeah, Gene, not a real shock. Anna Samova has been playing great. As, as this tweet, by the way, highlights, you know, she's undefeated in 2022, 7-0. And Darren Cahill in her corner. Is that helping her? Is that a big thing? Obviously, Darren Cahill, the ex-coach of Simona Halep, um, and now will play Osaka in the third round. Let me know in the chat. Do you think um, Do you think that Osaka is vulnerable? Do you think Anisimova can at least take a set? I think she can. Um, I still expect Osaka to progress, but uh, it's, a, it's an exciting matchup that we'll see on Friday. Um, Benchic, I think... Since winning Olympic gold, um, I think she won gold last year, didn't she? And I think since then, I'm not sure that she's been quite at it. And um, yeah, back to the drawing board. And I don't know if if the leg injury really did have a big effect on her today. Again, let me know what you think in the chat. So talking of injuries uh, and players struggling with them, uh, I guess we have to come to the men's side now and have a quick look at Rafa Nadal. He was up against the number 126 seed uh, today, but even before the match started, the uh, the mascot there wanting to look the other way was particularly amusing. And I think by the end of the match, Hanfram wanted to look the other way too, um, having lost in straight sets today. Um, let's talk about Hanfram first. I think he, I thought he was great. I think some of his winners were good. I think the 6-2 reflection, as Rafa said it at the, uh, in his press conference afterwards, the 6-2 of the first set, Rafa, you know, winning that didn't, wasn't a fair reflection. I think it was a nervy match for, for Rafa and for, for his supporters throughout. I think Hanfram pushed him a lot closer. Each set could have gone either way. Rafa did face some break points at various times throughout the match. Um, and yeah, and also Rafa said afterwards that Hanfman's 126 billing or ranking in the world probably isn't fair because 
on that performance, he's certainly much better. And you can see why he managed to progress uh, in the first round himself. Regarding Rafa, though, I thought he looked sluggish today. Um, I didn't think he reached maybe even the heights that he, he's reached in his previous matches. Um, I guess there were positives. Uh, he's still not lost his serve. Um, although I do think his serve overall today wasn't at the same level. I do think that um, that he only got one ace in the entire match, and that was kind of towards the end of the third set, I believe. Um, but he's through. Um, definitely has to improve his level uh, if he's going to continue in this tournament, I think. Um, and I think the final thing I want to touch on is something that Rafa mentioned in his press conference uh, in Spanish afterwards. And he was asked a question about the court speed and about the balls. And Rafa was very keen to mention about, he was asked, does he prefer to play it in the day or at night? And Rafa said, honestly, uh, uh, daytime. It's so much better for me. Obviously, he can get a lot more revolutions on his on his top spin, and of course, that then brings us to his next opponent. Because, in a way, his next opponent will be um, will be Hatchinov, and I think that match will be at night. So I do wonder if if he may find things much more difficult. The other thing with Hatchinov as well, and by the way, this this is not guaranteed that it'll be at night. I'm sure Raf will be fighting tooth and nail to get this on on the day, but I suspect the Aussie Open organisers, Friday night, will be wanting uh, him to play, obviously, in the evening local time, which will be sometime around late morning here in Europe. Um, and Hatchinov, yeah, came through today comfortably, uh, even uh, getting the second set with a bagel. And the other thing about Hatchinov, which I think does make it an especially tricky opponent for Rafa, is his ace count was 19 today, um, big server, I, I don't think Rafa's super comfortable against big servers, whether that be Apelka, who also went through today, who's also in the same half, uh, albeit that I don't think they're on course until the semis. Um, if they, if, if Apelka gets that far, Zverev, of course, lying in wait. And I think everybody is anticipating and, and probably expecting a, a Rafa Zverev quarterfinal, but there are tricky things to come. I think Hatchinov is, is tricky. I make it 60 40. Uh, in Rafa's favour, but um, Rafa's going to have to play better. I think that's the overall uh, thing from today's match. Also in the same quarter, uh, or even same would would be potentially the round after um, for Rafa, would would be Hercatch or Karatsev. Well, I say Hercatch or Karatsev. That was the match that perhaps many of us were expecting in the next round. But... Hercatch came a cropper today. Hercatch um, lost to Manorino in straight sets, uh, which, you know, I I think it's not a good look. We can hear, look at Hercatch's record in majors. Look at that. Aussie Open, he's won two, lost four. Roland Garros is kind of even worse. Wimbledon obviously being his strongest suit where he went deep beating uh, Federer, of course, last year. Uh, the US Open, not great either. So in 15 majors, he's only made it past the second round here, by the way. Thanks for that um, great stat there, which is from Vanch 02, I believe. Um, so, yeah, what we, what we have to say is that, that maybe we shouldn't be surprised, surprised there. Vanch V2K, sorry. Um, thanks for that stat. You know, losing to Seppi as well in four sets at the, the US Open, not, not great. I, 
I, I don't know. Maybe we're maybe we're looking a bit too much and expecting too much from uh, Hubi Hercatch. But yeah, I you know he lost the set in the first round, and well, I'm a bit disappointed because I was looking forward to seeing him against Karatsev. Karatsev did make it through, um, albeit that uh, the and also made it through with with the error count down to 45, uh, which is much better than the 107 from the first round. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think we can uh, be pretty pretty pleased with that. Um, so um, yeah, so her catch against um, Karatsev. Let me know how you think that's going to go. I see I see Karatsev who won in four sets today. I see him obviously getting things in order a bit now. He's obviously been playing a lot pre tournament, both ATP Cup and the the warm up tournament, the 250 that he won. Uh, has he got too much tennis in his legs or or is he fine? And, and those calves are going to see him through. Gail Monfils, next topic. What a 12 months for Gail Monfils. From that sad press conference that we saw a year ago where, you know, he talked about his you know, his tennis career at that point was a nightmare, losing to Rusevori in five sets in the first round, you know, and giving that tearful press conference. But But now... Is this Monfils' year? Let me know in the chat. Can Monfils win the Australian Open? Am I getting too excited? Am I getting too giddy? Obviously, he's got a potential quarterfinal uh, against perhaps um, Alcaraz or Berrettini, I believe, would be potentially his quarterfinal opponent. Um, On his day, I think Monfils can beat Berrettini, especially Berrettini where he's at right now. Um, Gene thinking that Gale can win the Australian Open. Mark your cards, ladies and gentlemen. Gene Swart says he definitely can. Remember that. Remember the time, remember the date, and remember to remind Gene of this, that he can definitely win the Australian Open. I'm not sure that he. I would go that far with him. I think the quarterfinal might be his end point, but, but he's got a chance of making the semis. And that half... Uh, <laughs> I'm not the one saying he can, Liam. I think that half of the draw is kind of interesting. I think Zverev, for me, is the red-hot favourite to make it to the final. Um, Alcaraz, I think we're going to come to him in a minute as well. He's looking very good. But Monfils beating Bublik in straight sets today, and he's got Garin next. Um, I make him the favourite to beat Garin, and yeah, you get to the to the fourth round and then the quarters, and, and who knows. So... Let's come to any other business. And basically where I want to look at with any other business is where are we at with Spanish tennis? Because Jose Morgado said what a great 10 minutes that was for Spanish tennis at the point when I think PCB won in five sets, beating the previously long unbeaten um, uh, Griegsbor in five sets. And at the similar time when when Rafa obviously went through as well, it was around about the same time of the day. Um, Alcaraz as well. I think they all were kind of in action at a similar time and all proceeding. Alcaraz, though, is the one I want to speak about. And I want to speak about him in the context with Badosa. Because I think we're in a situation now, first of all, with Spanish tennis, where we've got six players that I've made a note of here. We've got uh, PCB and Agut. I think a great top 20 players who will regularly you know, go far, will regularly reach second rounds of tournaments or the second round, sorry, second weeks of slams. But of course, we're also looking at Rafa, 20 grand slams. Alcaraz, not won a grand slam yet, but 
could this be his year? Then on the women's side, Muguruza, of course, has won a few slams already. Is had a great last few months of the year last year, and possibly some of you will have predicted her to win the Aussie Open this year. But Badosa, at the other end of her career, and compared to to Rafa, certainly anyway, and 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 also Alcaraz, can Alcaraz and Badosa make it a Spanish youth double? I think they can. I think Alcaraz can definitely make the semis. I actually, right now, make Alcaraz the favourite in every match that he plays, even against potentially Berrettini or Monfils. Don't forget, Gene's prediction definitely can win it. Um, I think they can both go far. And is Badosa favourite on the women's side? Well, the women's side is, is, I think, a lot more stacked than the men's, but I think they can both go far. I think Badosa, I guess the... The concern would be um, the leg, the the leg injury that she seemed to show a bit in the first round, a bit lesser in the second round. I think um, Alcaraz, my concerns would be experience. I guess it's a bit obvious. Um, will we look back at his preparation of, of not having any pre-tournaments as being the right thing to do or a mistake? I think, well, the, the narrative will be dictated to by the results there. But... Alcaraz, I guess he did have a wobble today in the third set. He was a breakdown um, at one point, and I thought maybe he's going to drop a set. But, you know, that that half, with the exception of Zverev, I think, you know, there's an argument to say that Monfils, if it wasn't for Zverev, because I do think he's the favourite, who also won his straight sets against Milman today, I do think that that half of the draw, I think you could choose anyone from Monfils, Alcaraz, Rafa Nadal, Berrettini, definitely. Um, I think all of those, you could argue, could make the final. Maybe Karatsev, too. Maybe. Maybe. I think it's really dependent on Zverev, though. I think Zverev goes out at some point. I don't see it happening before the quarters. I think Zverev's draw really opened up, especially when Harris went out. Um, Zverev, I think, is going to play against um, against the American Opelka next, if I'm right, which will be obviously a, a serve... Uh, bot crazy thing. What we haven't seen... Uh, no, he's got Al Bot, sorry, against in the next round. Uh, who's a Pelka playing? I'm not quite sure on that one. He's got... Um, he's got Shapovalov. Oh, okay, yeah, Shapovalov. I guess we can finish today's kind of roundup by looking at Shapovalov and, and basically just five sets again today. Um, Shapovalov is just wild, and I, and I just don't see him being quite ready enough to win a slam. Let me know in the chat. Let me know what you think. I'm going to now move on to basically what's going to be happening in the coming 24 hours and what GTL are going to be bringing you. Tomorrow morning around about 9 o'clock uh, German time, 8 a.m. UK time. Apologies to global audience, by the way. I have no idea what time in the world it will be elsewhere. I do know that these are the both matches on for the night sessions. Medved against Kyrgios. Let me know how you see that one going. And Radu Kanu uh, against Kovinic. I see... I'm going to address Radu Kanu first. I do see her prevailing in that. Um, am I am I crazy for thinking that? Um, I don't think so. I think her performance... I think it's a slightly easier match than, than previously. Um, so I, I do see that one go through. Medvedev, Kyrgios. I know what you're thinking, and you're right for doing so. Medvedev should win this in straight sets. Absolutely. And he probably will. But you do know that there's going to be some fun. 
don't you? You do know that there's going to be a few tweeners and there's going to be a few tweeners at, at strange moments. And it'll be interesting to see how Medvedev deals with that. Uh, 12 travel 21, by the way. You think that Medvedev is going to drop a set? Um, I don't think he will. I don't think there's been any sign of that. I have to say that Medvedev and Zverev, in the absence of Djokovic and the, the sort of doubts about Rafa Nadal and Pass as well, I think we're looking at two people that are on their journeys towards the final. It, it does look that way. And neither, of course, Medvedev nor um, Zverev have dropped a set yet. But neither have really looked like dropping a set. I think Medvedev maybe was pushed to a tie break in, in the first round. But but uh, yeah, he was, I think, in, in the, or maybe it was Zverev against his German opponent. Um, but still, yeah, Gene thinks Kyrgios will take a set. I, I'm... I'm not sure. I, I, I think that's a bit optimistic. I, let, let's not forget that, yeah, Kyrgios has won two times. Yeah, but 12 travel 21, that's a really good point. But what I do think is that, that we're looking at different Medvedevs compared for, I, we can look at the basically US Open 2019 onwards. I know that one of those victories for Medvedev came in the build up to that. I'm not sure if it was Cincinnati. But um, one of the sort of American swing build ups to that match was where Kyrgios won, but Medvedev is now on a different level. Obviously, winning his first slam last year, um, but, but since the U.S. Open final of 2019, arguably the swing that preceded that, he was on that unbelievable run before losing to Nadal in both uh, Canada in I think it's Montreal. I always get Montreal and Toronto. I think it was Montreal. Yeah, Washington final. Thanks, twelve travel twenty one. But um, this is a, a very different beast now with Medvedev, and I also think it's a different beast with Kyrgios. Let's not forget, he's barely played since the pandemic hit almost two years ago. I mean, the Kyrgios that took a set off Nadal in 2020 at the fourth round stage, and also the Kyrgios that took a set off him at Wimbledon the previous year, and the, the Wimbledon two years prior to that, I think, when he beat him, was it 2016, 27, 2016, I think he beat, beat Rafa at Wimbledon. This is a very different Kyrgios. He's hardly played in the last two years, and he's certainly not hit the heights that he showed in in Acapulco, which is when he also beat Rafa, and he was really getting under Rafa's skin at that time. Um, this is a completely different Kyrgios. It's a completely different Medvedev. I don't see Kyrgios taking a set, but I do see it being fireworks. Talking of not taking a set, I also think we're going to see Radu Kanu going back to her straight set uh self as she proved at the US Open. I think her really tough matches once again begin in round three uh, and then will continue for the rest of the tournament. But I do see her being the hot favorite against Kovinic. Guys, what I'm going to finish with right now is questions. If you've got any questions, get them in the chat now. I don't know if JG, if you've got any uh, questions you want to raise from earlier on during the pod that I may have missed from the comments. Um, Definitely let me know right now in, in, in the chat. If you've got any questions, fire them away. If there's a player that I've not highlighted, it probably means I didn't see them. It probably means that I, I slept. Thank you. Yes. George, Pass. what do I think of his chances? Well, um, I don't know is the answer. I would have said five. Let's go back a month. A month ago, I didn't think he was going to play the Aussie Open. I think I even said, I don't think he's going to play. It was kind of a surprise to me that he entered into the ATP Cup. You look at the ATP Cup, he lost to Schwartzman, I think, in three sets, um, which was, you know, it was actually a good performance. I think especially pretty much his first match back. 
Um, but then he won in straight sets in the first round. I didn't see him playing in the first round. I don't see Tsitsipas making the final. I think he's obviously in the same half as Medvedev. But on the good side for him, his draw looks quite good. Um, let me know in the chat. Do you think he's got anyone he could lose to? I, I think a fully fit and firing Tsitsipas makes the semis no problem. Um, um, but I don't think... Uh, that City passes at the same level as he was a year ago, and primarily because of the primarily because of the injury. The fully fit, by the way, and that comes to the great second question: there, Medvedev, can Medvedev make the final? Is there anyone that could stop him from making the final? In short, no. In long, coming back to the City Pass point, I think it would be um, it would be City Pass that would normally be the main person who could stop him, but I don't see that being the case. I guess the other obvious one is Sinner. In fact, I think in my prediction, I have Sinner beating Pass in the quarterfinal. Um, it's always difficult to remember how the draw is. Yeah, Gene, thanks for that. He could lose to Sinner in the quarters. I actually make Sinner the favourite in that. I do think what we're seeing with Alcaraz and we're seeing with Sinner is that they're actually now um, making it to the next level in their careers. And I see both Alcaraz and Sinner, as a result, having deep runs at slams this year. 12 Travel 21, are we sleeping on Manorino? Um, what do you mean exactly on are we sleeping on Manorino? You know, the fact that he managed to beat um, the fact that he managed to beat Hercatch today. I don't know. I see that more being Hercatch bad than Manorino good and Alcaraz in the next round. I mean, the thing with, with uh, Manorino, by the way, is um, the thing with Manorino is, uh, you know, you, you've got Alcaraz next round, Rafa, followed by Zverev, followed by Alcaraz or Berrettini, followed by Medvedev. You're telling me Manorino can beat all of those guys? Now, I know there's lots of ifs and buts in there, but <laughs> come on, let's let's be real here. At what point do we start thinking Nadal can do this? Liam, great question. I- I'll tell you when we start thinking. If or when he beats Zverev. Until then, I'm not, I'm not thinking it. I'm not thinking it. I, I do think Zverev is the, is the big one, though. I, um, I actually think that if he beats Zverev, the confidence he would gain from that, because it's been a while since he really had a big win against a big opponent. I mean, at the French Open last year, which is his last slam, he beat Schwartzman and um, and Sinner en route to the quarter, to the semifinals. I don't think that they count as being huge wins. That you know, he lost one set between those two matches. So, so I don't um, I don't see that. Um, uh, as being big wins. So it's been a long time. As soon as he came up against a big opponent in the Aussie Open last year, he lost against um, against uh, Pass, wasn't it, a year ago? And basically at the Aussie Open, he gets to the quarters and he gets there in reasonable comfort and then he loses against a top four or five player. Pass a year ago, the year before that was team. And at the moment, I see that being Zverev. And it's the big server. It's not a great matchup. I remember in Paris just over a year ago, not not in, in Roland Garros, but at Paris-Bercy, you know, Zverev beat him quite easily. Also the year before, Zverev beat him at quite easily indoors in the ATP finals in 2019. Um, so I'm sort of talking maybe two years before or whatever, 2019, 2020. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't see it. Now, I know indoors best of three is different to outdoors best of five 
I'm waiting for Zverev to throw in a, a, a dodgy match, if you like. And I, I doesn't mean he'll go out, but we do know that Zverev can have a, a really dodgy serving match and sometimes the pressure gets to him. But I do think he wins the first two sets against Rafa. That may well be enough to see him through and ultimately knock Rafa out. But that's when I start thinking that, um, that he can do this. Um Sinner Alcaraz final. Is it possible? Absolutely, Almino. It is possible. Um, I, I, I have them both getting to the semis. And so from there, you never know. Um, can Alcaraz beat Zverev? Yes. Do I think he would beat Zverev? No. Can Alcaraz beat Rafa? Yes. And on this surface as well, I know you would look at Alcaraz being more of a clay quarter um, and you would probably look at Rafa the same, but I do think that probably the, the margins get a bit closer on the hard court. So if that was to be an Alcaraz-Sinner, uh, uh, sorry, Alcaraz uh, semi-final, then I think he could make the final. Um, we'll come to this one, and then I want one or two on the women's, and then we'll bring it to a close. How do I compare Chapeau to Vavrinka? Seems like best of five is much better for Chapeau. Vavrinka didn't have much success outside the majors. I could see something similar with Chapeau. Jared, great question. I do see them being very different, though. I know we looked at Chapeau obviously winning in five sets today, and I did he won in five sets, I think, in the first round. So I think we're looking at those two matches in particular. But actually, I think Chapeau is someone under pressure. I'm not really convinced by. I know he got to the semis at Wimbledon last year, but as soon as he came up against a really tough opponent, um, uh, as in Djokovic in the semis last year, he goes out. I think a, a player where Chapeau is at right now, who is a bit hit and miss, who is a bit wild, especially that backhand is the best backhand in the world one minute and the worst the next. Um, I do actually think the best of three formula works better for Chapeau because of a lack of consistency that you can sustain it over two sets, perhaps, and obviously three if it goes that far. But sustaining that over potentially five I think then weakens your chances. Now, I know we've seen him come through in five sets in the previous two rounds, but I think that was more the fact that he was just a much better player than his opponent and really shouldn't have gone to five sets. So I do see them being very different. Let's see where I am in, in five years from now. Maybe Chapeau's going to show me that he's actually much better in, in five setters. But actually, his record in the in the, in the three-set format is much better. And Vavrinka, opposite. Vavrinka is a cool-as-a-cucumber guy who absolutely maximized his potential in the five-set format, and that's why he won three Grand Slams, am I right? And yet, really, you would say Murray, who also won three Slams, very different. Um, you know, I, I think Murray, you probably would have expected to have won more than three. Injuries obviously taken their toll, but Vavrinka the same. There was a good women's question there. Yeah, what do you, who do you think will edge out if Bardi and Osaka meet in the fourth round? As it stands, I would make Barty the favourite. But... I I do think it's a case-by-case case or more of a round-by-round round analysis. We all do those unbelievable predictions before the tournament begins, and then we see how the tournament, you know, turns out, and then we have a much better idea. Now, it'll be interesting to see how Barty and Osaka get on in the third round. I do see Barty prevailing uh, in three sets, and I do see them both making the fourth round, and I think... It's going to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, get the popcorn out, get the, depending on what time of the day it is, get the breakfast out, get the bagels out, get the breadsticks out. Not that those will be the results, I'm sure, of the, each set, but get your croissants out if you're in France and it's in the morning. 
get your get your beers out if you're in the in the in in Australia or New Zealand at that time or or whatever you fancy because that is going to be a tasty matchup and I'm very much looking forward to it. And we've got another women's question. Um, excited about Kontovic's chances. She's playing superbly. Thanks, George. Yeah, that's a nice one. Jean also back in Kontovic playing really well. I don't think she's going to win though i um I, I don't see that on the on the women's side i i don't see her at the same level as muguruza Barty, osaka even raducanu who we talk about a reevaluation of once the tournament has begun i i do see that raducanu is somebody who i thought <laughs> was going to go out in the first round and now i've seen her play so well i think she could make the final so that's a good one. And we've got time for one more. Yeah, we have. Let's give me give me one more women's question and then we'll um then we'll call it a day. Um can we expect an American takeover? Okay, we've got a bit of Cordo and Fritz there, TFO and Goff as uh Baptista. Um honestly, I think we're jumping the gun. Corda's out for a start. Um Fritz is also out, isn't he? Of course, TFO. Um yeah, I like TFO. Goff is out, so you <laughs> Adam Samova, of course, is still in, um, but a lot of those are out. Of course, we've got Riley Opelka still on, on, on the men's side and um, Cressy as well, who I think is obviously under the American flag. But no, I, I think um, it's obviously in a better state than it was five years ago, but American tennis has got a long way to come, as we can see in the Labour Cup. Liam there with a question. Has uh, Raducano proven she isn't a flash in the pan? I don't know if you've seen the advert. I won't mention her sportswear, but I think it's kind of a funny advert that um, Corder and Fitz are still in. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Corder managed to prevail in five sets. I actually sort of fell asleep when he was two sets to one down thinking he was going to go out. But yeah, sorry, Van Lee. You're absolutely right. Um, has Raducanu proven that she isn't a flash in the pan? Um, no. Uh, no and yes. I, I don't think she is a flash in the pan. Um, I think winning the US Open and not dropping a set uh, it's difficult to describe her as a flash in the pan, especially at her age. But I also know what you mean. Has she proven that that it's not a one-off or or or, or whatever? And I was going to mention the the advert that she appears in for her sportswear manufacturer, where there is, I think, something behind her about a one-hit wonder. As you see this sign behind her, as she's hitting the ball at a million miles an hour. And I think that's an interesting thing because she's hitting it as as in, look, look at me. I'm not a one-hit wonder. I'm not a flash in the pan, Leon. And um, I think she's not. I don't think she's proven it yet. But I think winning that match, I think, is is a big, you know, a big step forward. It's it sounds strange given that she's obviously just won the U.S. Open, but I do think that was a big step forward. And maybe, um, uh, yeah, we're going to see her go go deep. And and if she goes deep, I think that will be sort of putting that not to bed exactly, but we'll certainly be putting it to rest. Guys, thank you for joining me again. Uh, we've had a. Uh, another great pod. I, I hope you like the the fact that I've got the tennis racket here in the background. I, I don't know if the lighting is any better. We've got a load of ingredients behind me. These are the ingredients that I supply you with, with my report. It's up to you how you process them, but uh, uh, hopefully you can make some something tasty with it. And I look forward to seeing you again at this time tomorrow on The Silk Report. Podcast Network.